The following stories are shared consensually by everyday people living with bipolar disorder. As a friendly note, we are not acting as licensed therapists or providing therapeutic services. We are providing a safe space for people with bipolar disorder to share their stories uninterrupted. Stories may mention the use of drugs, alcohol, and or suicidality. If you feel triggered and in need of help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988. My name is Sabrina. And I'm Gritty Gem, and this is the Bipolar AF Podcast. The Bipolar AF Podcast, I'm Gritty Gem, and I'm here with Sabrina. We're just going to jump right into Amanda's story today. So, um, my name is Amanda. I'm 38 years old. Um, I have Bipolar 2. I'm currently taking carbamazepine, um, and I do, um, and I can go more into that. Um, basically, I take carbamazepine at night because it helps me sleep, helps with the racing thoughts um, throughout the day. And, you know, it was something that my psychiatrist, whenever I first got diagnosed, and he was like, you know, you've been talking about how you've been smoking a lot lately. He's like, honestly, your meds that I'm going to give you and weed are both for seizures. So they both do the same thing. And so you're basically self-medicating. And he's like, now I'm going to put you on something official. He's like, and then you can supplement whatever you want. Um, And then, you know, we've just been taking it from there. So I was actually diagnosed and I looked it up exactly a year ago today. Because I was like, I'm going to check and see when it was. I was like, I feel like it was around this time. I was like, March 2nd. I was like, that's crazy. So um, exactly a year ago. So, like, I feel like there's a lot of stigma around the condition, and it was, it was kind of like a, whoa, I kind of knew it, but, um, like, it was, like, a relief to find out, like, my psychiatrist, no joke, was like, you don't seem that surprised, and I was like, not, I was like, I've always, like, kind of growing up, had ups and downs, mood swings, like, the past 20 years have been kind of crazy for me, like, um, as far as emotions and my behaviors. Um, I guess I've like, you know, I've, I've lost a lot of close relationships due to behaviors when I've been manic or when I've been depressed, you know, I've lost, you know, people who just stopped inviting me to things because I wouldn't come, you know, um, I put myself in risky situations, um, that turned extremely traumatic, um, So I have a lot of PTSD associated with some of those things that I've done when I've had the highs. Um, And up until really recently, I've had an extremely bad relationship with drugs and alcohol. Um, Really had to work on that relationship um, over the past couple, you know, past couple years. And I never really felt normal. And, you know, whatever normal is, um, I have my highs um, and like I'm on top of the world, right? Like. I have endless energy, super extroverted, um, you know, risky behavior. Um, you want to go get a piercing or a tattoo? Hell yeah. You know, manic Amanda is a down ass bitch, right? So like, I'm going to do it. Don't, I never say no, but depressed Amanda immediately regrets, overthinks the decision, um, you know, days, weeks afterwards. Um, you know, I've spent days in bed, um, I've, you know, not showered. I've either not eaten for days on end or eaten too much. (laughs) Just 
you know, binge eat. Um, during my lows, I, you know, replay every situation, every conversation, every experience I've ever had that I feel went wrong and just agonize over the potential alternative outcomes until I just run out of energy and fall asleep and I'll sleep for an entire day. Um, I make up excuses as to why I can't make it to plans that Manic Amanda was super jazzed about, you know, weeks and months, you know, before. I, you know, it's it's just been like a lot of like having to manage these relationships with people when, you know, I get like super extroverted and I'm like, yeah, and I'm super social and I throw huge parties, but like, I'm super excited about throwing the parties. And then when the day comes, I'm so exhausted from thinking about throwing this party. And so it's, it's just so crazy. And like when I'm at, at my lows, I'm kind of at the mercy of my mind. Um, I've been involved in kind of, like I said, like a lot of highly traumatic events and I tend to replay those on an endless loop. Um, just like, how could I have stayed out of that situation? Like I never, I always blame myself. I never blame, you know, put the blame on the, you know, the people or persons involved in, you know, what made that a traumatic event for me. Um, I'm working through that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's like when you're on your highs, you, you're like on that high end of the spectrum and you're able to block out the memories. And so like, it's like a double-edged sword. Like you're blocking out these memories, but you're putting yourself in a situation that could cause more traumatic events, right? So between getting my chemicals balanced and working on controlling my relationship with alcohol and surrounding myself with extremely supportive friends and family, um, I'm kind of learning to properly manage my life. Um, but I'm still a work in progress, right? Um, I see a psychiatrist for, for the bipolar. Um, I have an individual therapist who focuses on trauma. And then I have a relationship counselor with my husband um, to kind of figure out how to navigate dealing with, you know, my issues. He has his own issues, you know, trying to figure out how to merge those. And, you know, we've, we've been together for 17 years. So like he's been there through it. You know, he, he knows how to manage me. He knows how to make me happy when I'm feeling down. Like he's, he's got it. He's kind of a class clown. So he's easy to like, just look at him and he's funny. Right. Like, so I think he's he's been a really good rock in my in my life. Um, also, I have this great group of girlfriends, and I've I've never really been a girl girl. So like I've always had guy friends. They're easier, right? Like it's just they they don't they don't get into your emotions, and like I wasn't ever a person who liked to talk about those things. So that's why it kind of was repressed for a really long time, and it would just explode out of me. Uh, and so. I have this group of girlfriends now and they're like so supportive. Like it's, it's almost as if, you know, if I go silent for a couple days or if I post a questionable Instagram story where it looks like, you know, maybe you're having a bad time. Um, I immediately get checked on and it's the same with all of us. Like they, like we all kind of, keep in touch we all kind of have our own thing there's you know people with anxiety we have some you know someone with extreme adhd you know everybody kind of has their own thing and it's all like meshed in like everybody has trauma 
And so we're all kind of trying to check on each other. And I've never had that before. And it's pretty cool um, to, you know, have that support system, especially now that I'm, you know, going on this journey, trying to figure out my meds, trying to, you know, get my life on track. And I feel so much better in the past year. Like I feel so much more in control than I ever have. And I feel like I've, you know, put in some, some routines in my life where, whereas I would just kind of like go, go into like the day, like blindly. Whereas now I wake up, I go, I run two miles. I uh, wash my face, brush my teeth, make my bed. Like my bed has to be made. That's like an integral part of my day. Like, or I, I'll go crazy. Like my bed has to be made. It's like a thing. Like I'll make coffee. I started pulling an Oracle card every morning um, to give myself some type of intention to draw my focus back into whenever I, you know, get distracted by distracted thoughts. Um, and then I take a cocktail of morning supplements. Um, I also have a condition called hemochromatosis, which is iron overload. And um, so I can't take a women's multivitamin um, because they're heavy on iron. And I, there's a lot of other like vitamins that help with the absorption of iron because most women are iron deficient. So I have to take like 25 pills every morning just to get the vitamins I need. Um, but yeah, so like after I've done all of that and like only after I've done all of that, I can log into work. Like I have to like wake up super early to just make sure I get all of that done. And then I'm fine for the day. You know, like it's, it's like, as long as everything's done, but then if I like leave one thing out, one minor inconvenience can take me from being like energetic and happy to like a complete recluse. Like I'll just go total darkness. Like I, earlier in the week, I, my husband's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, he can tell I'm having a down cycle and he just doesn't know how to help. And he's like, what can I do? Like, do you need comfort? Like, can I, can I provide you with something? Like, and so I just have to kind of let him in. Whereas before I would just shut down. And so I'm learning to, to deal with that. Um, but you know, it's, it's just been, it's been a long, a long journey to get here. Um, and I'm just, I'm so thankful that I kind of got pushed into therapy, got pushed into going to check, like, you know, get myself checked from a psychiatrist perspective, like never thought it was going to come to a, like an actual diagnosis. I thought I was just going to kind of like, maybe I had anxiety, you know, like I just have panic attacks. So it's, it's been, it's been good. Um, it was hidden pretty well, I would say. Um, I mean, there were times when it would get out of control and I can usually tell alcohol wise, if it's going to be a bad night and I would still drink, you know, like now I can tell like my mental state, like I, like I still drink a little bit, but I've managed it to where it's like, I don't do shots. I will have one to two beers with like friends, half a bottle of wine max. You know, it's, it's, I've gotten to the point where I've got that under control, but before I, it was like, my friends were more, it, it was more like I, you know, Amanda can drink with the guys, you know, I, you can hold, like, you have such a high tolerance. 
I can hide when I'm drunk. And I, I go from like, you know, good hiding when I'm drunk to a complete blackout. And like some, like, I feel like in recent years, like in the past 10 years, it was, it was more of a blackout than it used to be. And it, it sort of got to the point where I was kind of scaring myself to where, you know, I'd drive home and I didn't remember driving home. And like that's, I mean, that's super scary. And people would be like, you seem fine, you know? So it, it, it was a little scary to me in that, in that respect. Like, I feel like I hit it pretty well, though. You just made me think of, um, you know, kind of like how it possibly could have been muscle memory mm-hmm. for a moment. Yeah. Did you, would you say that that would kind of be, because if you black out and it's like people like joke online, they'll say things like, oh, um, I don't know how I drove from my house to the mall or something. Right. But it's very real. Yeah. Uh, I, I, very real. I, I would say so. Cause my, so we've realized recently just kind of analyzing the way that I used to drink and when I would drink and when I would get the most drunk, I play a lot of social sports and I would, you can't really call them sports. Okay. So I play competitive skee-ball and competitive cornhole. And, um, so I go to those on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I run the cornhole league and I play in the skee-ball. I, I play in the cornhole league too, but I realized that I needed, I needed the courage to be in a social situation, especially in, in the cornhole and run the league. Right. So like I was having to, you know, direct everybody and, you know, run this whole, whole ordeal. And I would just drink to get the courage to do it. I would drink to feel like I was playing well. You know, like I felt like I could only roll well or throw bags well if I was drinking. And it seems now, and we've kind of realized that it was more of like I needed something in my hand or like it was almost an oral fixation to where like I needed to be doing something. Like I needed to keep my mind off of it by drinking. And if I replaced that with a Topo Chico, it did the same thing. I still felt confident. I still felt distracted enough to hold conversations when I was feeling, you know, shut down. Um, and so those situations, and like you're saying, the muscle memory driving home, I was always at the same spot. And so it was always the same route home. And so I do think that that, that is a thing because there was this one time that I was with a friend and we were at another place, but it was kind of close to the cornhole bar. And when I tried to drive home, I kind of, I was like browned in and out. And I remember like hitting the curb because I thought I was going the right way. And I ended up like, like blowing my tire out. And my husband had to come and get me from like a gas station. So like it, I might've been trying to go the same route, but from a different place and I messed it up, you know? So definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely a situation that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You just, now my brain is going into the direction where I'm thinking of the patterns that our brains hold on to, mm-hmm. right? Cause I'm thinking of like traffic lights now and yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
Uh, so I feel like it's been, you know, since, since I was in college, I feel like I've been just making like terrible risky, like decisions. Um, in my mind though, it was, it was that I, 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 I felt like I was just like a dangerous person, like that I was just like making these decisions because I was reckless, you know, and then, you know, I had, I had some, you know, suicidal thoughts throughout all of that time. And I thought it was just because I had some traumatic events happen right as I got out of high school. So a lot of that I kind of attributed to the trauma. Whereas I think the trauma just kind of like, I guess, exaggerated the symptoms of the bipolar. And so it was, you know, I've had a lot, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of very manic, like hypomania episodes where I was just, you know, there was a time where like me and my best friend weren't friends and we lived together in, in college and I was just running around. Like it was like, I was, like hooking up with different guys every night, you know, like it was just, it was very hypersexual, very reckless behavior. And then I would be in my, you know, I wouldn't go to class for a week, you know? So it was just like very ups and downs. Um, and that kind of continued on after college and, you know, me and my husband have been through it. Like he's seen me, go he's like he's caught me with you know drugs that I had hid from him you know I like but it was because he's he's such a good guy and I was just like I was doing all this like crazy stuff on the side but like I felt like that was just who I was but I was hiding it from him because he's a good guy and like it we've gotten to the point where everything's out on the table now but like I you know I didn't know how to handle that you know, I'd never been with a nice guy. <laughs> like I, I, every guy I had ever dated cheated on me or was a drug dealer, you know, like it's just, it's always been, it's always been a reckless life. And then he came in and he was good, but I still had those reckless thoughts, reckless impulses. And I didn't want him to see that part of me because I didn't want to lose the good guy. So... Mm-hmm. You know, luckily he's stuck around and we're doing the therapy thing and it's going well. So, <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, earlier when you were sharing your story and you had mentioned your husband and how he knows when you are, um, you know, going down rather than up, um, he sounds very in tune with you. That's immediately it's in. I like wrote a little note for myself, you know, make sure you mention how great that is. Yeah, So <laughs> it is great. And, and I think it's because he grew up in a very kind of you know, shitty, shitty childhood situation, you know, he's had, his dad got murdered, you know, it's like his mom had to take care of him and his siblings alone and in inner city Houston, so, like, he had a, he had a rough, rough upbringing, but he, I feel like because he was the oldest child and he was in tune with his mom's um, struggles, I think that that helps him now um, with being in tune with mine yeah absolutely it sounds like he's also possibly built skills around being like alert or aware right yeah from the past and in turn this is a positive 
effective then. And um, have you ever tried to push him away, separate, like make him like think that he can't be with you, or do you have that feeling? That- yeah, so I have 100% tried to push him away. I never felt worthy of his love, right? So I feel like there's been lots of times in our relationship where I was just like, man, like, if if you left me, you'd be way better off, you know, like, I didn't want him to have to deal with, with me. And, um, you know, a lot, he's so resilient, like, and like persistent, I guess. Um, he knows I love him, but he knows that I get scared and he knows that I retract. Um, he's, we've broken up a couple of times, but we always kind of came back together. Um, mainly because we never not, didn't live together. So there was like a point in time where we were broken up for like six months, but we lived together. So it was like weird. Um, but I feel like I pushed him away by doing some of the riskier behaviors. Like I would stay out too late or, you know, I wouldn't answer his phone calls when he called and like, I wouldn't answer his texts or I, you know, I'd say I was going to be home at a certain time and I'd come home at 4 a.m. and, you know, act like it was no big deal, hoping that it would just like that he would just not, you know, be around anymore. Right. That he would just leave me. Um, But he put in so much work that I would always, you know, be super, I guess, impressed by that and you know he's he's always constantly trying to figure out a way to make me feel loved so I guess like over time it was it was much worse back in the day um leading up to now um it was you know we had some some rough times um he had gotten to the point where he was trying to be too protective and it came off to me as like a father and less like a partner. And so we really had to work on that. And I think that the relationship with alcohol being mended um, and kind of figured out has, we, we actually had a therapy session where we were talking about that. And um, my therapist was like, how, how do you feel now that you don't really have to worry about her alcohol intake or, you know, her staying out late and that she's going to make it home. Okay. And like, how are you feeling with like, kind of you losing that, that protective power. Right. And he's like, get it out of here. Like, he's like, seriously, like, I don't want it. Like, he's like, I don't want to have to feel like I have to look up her location and find her if she doesn't come home by like, you know, two o'clock in the morning and I'm not doing that. Like I don't even stay out past midnight anymore and I'm usually home and he like, he would not sleep if I wasn't there because he would be so worried that I was going to get an accident. And I would, granted there's been some bad things that have happened to me and he had to go through that. And so he was more worried about, you know, having to go through that again and having me have to go through that again. And so he's like, now he's like, get it away. He's like, I am, I don't want that. I'm 
so happy. He's like, I can sleep at night. Um, I don't have to worry if she's going to be drunk when she gets home. So like, it's just been, it's been so nice. Like the past six months. Uh, I could just, with the way you're talking about him and everything you've been through. Um, so it's so wonderful that you found a partner that is there to support you. Um, speaking of our supports, when you were speaking about your story earlier, I was thinking about your friends. I'm just curious, how did you come about like such a great friend group? Like yeah, you meet all the, the girls. It's crazy. Um, so I used to live in this apartment complex and we joke about it because it was very like Melrose Place drama. Um, just kind of like in Austin near like the Greenbelt, like near downtown. We lived in these apartments that backed up to the Greenbelt. You could walk to Zilker Park. That's where ACL Festival is. So like it was a very cool, hip, young adult space. And we moved there in 2011 and all the, everybody was our age. And um, so at first, whenever I was first living there, it was, um, it was not as great of a group. I was kind of running with a lot of guys that, you know, and Casey worked back and forth between two cities. And um, so he would be gone and I'd like go out and, you know, it was, reckless behavior days and you know he didn't trust the guys even though nothing ever happened with them but um it was still like you know I was staying out until three o'clock with these guys that he barely knew and um so that was like a little bit weird and then this girl moved downstairs from me and um she was kind of the first one that I met um out of the girls and her name's also Amanda um, she's a little firecracker. She's the one with extreme ADHD. Um, but she's like, she was so nice and she was like so friendly and we became friends immediately. We started playing sports together. And then, um, another one of the girls moved diagonal, um, her and her husband, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And they started playing or the husband started playing sports with us and me and Alyssa became good friends. So then, um, kind of through sports. Um, we met some of our other group. Um, so, uh, we have girls and guys in our group. Uh, guys are also super supportive. Um, they, it's a pretty solid group. Um, one, like a couple of them are therapists. Um, so, uh, one of them came in. So Alyssa, the one from diagonal, she's a therapist. Um, and then another one that came in through like a friend of a friend, um, she became our one of our good friends. She's also a therapist. And then we have this other friend who's like married to one of our friends and she came in and she's like, should have been a therapist. She's, but she's like total boss bitch, like VP of a company type girl. But like, it, it was just all kind of like through friends, but then we became this like super tight knit, like 12 friend group. Uh, and like, it's, it's been, it's been a game changer. Like I've, I've never had this close of a, you know, a solid group of friends. Yeah. And I feel like, um, like one, my friend from high school, um, we weren't really very big on communicating our feelings and that's my dog. Um, <laughs> um very good at communicating feelings, but, um, Lately, I feel like we've been better about it. I feel like now that she knows what's going on, I'm going to shut this door. 
guarantee you it's a delivery. Um, Probably. <laughs> but so I, I feel like now, like that we've grown up, and you know, she she's kind of figured out her own anxieties. Um, I feel like us knowing about this, like, and I feel like me being a little bit more open because I was so closed off with my emotions. I feel like we've gotten even closer with respect to the way that our feelings and like our, like our conditions and things like that. I feel like we've gotten really good about mom, dad been together since my mom was since they, since they were in high school. Um, and two sisters and, um, me and my littlest sister, super close, like basically, like basically best friends. You could mistake us as twins. She's like seven years younger than me. And we look exactly alike. It's, it's weird. Um, middle sister is a little bit more, um, distant. She's, she's got kids. Um, they live kind of out in the country. Mom and dad, super close. Um, I talk to my mom all the time, um, probably daily, if maybe every other day sometimes. She's got a condition called Guillain-Barre. Um, it's uh, the autoimmune disease that affects your nerves. She got diagnosed um, 2009, I think. Um, but she continuously breaks bones she she can't really feel whatever things are happening and so she's broken her back she just got done getting um a hip replacement um but my mom growing up kind of exhibited some of the highs and lows right so she would get really upset at things or like she'd like you know just start crying for no reason and we just thought she was you know dramatic right when I told them, um, my mom, I, I started like, she's like, well, what, what does that mean? Like what, like she doesn't really know about the, you know, the mental conditions that are possible. And so I started explaining and she got really quiet. And then I was like, are you there? And she was like, did I give this to you? And I was like, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, I was like, I, I don't know. Like I, she goes, that sounds exactly like me. And I was like, well, yeah. So she kind of recognized, you know, that maybe there, you know, could have been, you know, she could have gotten checked out, um, at some point, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, or there used to be, I feel like it's so much more open now. Like I, you know, the, the atmosphere around like the, the mentality around mental health is so prevalent right now. Um, but back then there was such a stigma, right? Like it was like, you go to, a, you go to therapy and like, there was this place growing up called, um, and it, it, it turned into like a health center, but it was like a mental institution in my little tiny town that I grew up in. It was called Charter. And so, like, if anybody was acting weird, you'd be like, oh, you need to go to Charter. You know, it was like a like a joke almost. And whereas now that would be, like, totally inappropriate. But, like, back then, like, if you were just acting crazy, you were crazy. There was, like, no, no one thing 
that you could, uh, you know, pinpoint it to. And then if you did go in, you were crazy, right? So, and there, I, that's definitely the delivery guy. <laughs> no, 100%. I remember, yeah. um, you know, even from being a kid. I myself don't have bipolar, so I don't have the unique experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I remember like going to therapy and then people being like, really? You have a therapist? Like, yeah. Yeah. Even, even after like one of my first incidents, um, and I was having like a lot of like mental breaks and, um, I was like, what's wrong with me? I went to like the college, um, like the college doctor, they gave me, I can't remember. It might've been Lexapro, like what is like the, the anxiety, depression, medicines, which I hated. Like it did not work for me. It made me feel so weird, but like, I, I remember whenever I told somebody that I like was taking that, they were like, oh my gosh, you know, like it was like this huge deal that I was taking these like anxiety medications. And I was like, so oh, like, even though it like made me feel bad and I was going to stop it anyways, like, I was like, well, now I got to stop it. Like, cause now I feel like I'm crazy, you know, like an outsider yeah. of some sort. Yeah. No. And then now you meet someone, they're like, oh my God, from you can be in like the middle of a cafe they'll be like I started Lexapro <laughs> a few months ago and it was the best or like they'll say whatever right yeah um like life-changing and people are so open about it yeah. so yeah yeah definitely I, no joke yesterday I got my hair cut yeah. and I was talking to the hairdresser and she was just talking about like we were talking about stuff and like we it, we got into the bipolar part and she was like oh my god I have so many friends with bipolar and she was like can I write down your um like your what your routine is for meds so like at, at the end like I wrote down like everything I do so that she could show her friends no that's so awesome yeah. I think that you know that's full circle going back to what Gritty was saying earlier about how like we do ask um you know if you're comfortable to share your medication yeah. you know in the beginning uh because it does make a difference or it can for others so yeah that's awesome yeah um I've had uh, so I have sometimes like a really hard time getting jazzed about a job after a little while. Like I get really pumped about a job at first and then like it, the, you know, it wears off and, and then I get bored with it and then I get really distracted and I want to do anything but the job. <laughs> so like I have, I mean, I started off my career in construction um, I was a construction manager for a custom or like a kind of a, was a semi-custom home builder. Um, that went under and I ended up switching jobs into software, but I feel like I've kind of, like I'll get to a point where like I do a really good job, but then I kind of slide, if that makes sense. Like it's like whenever I'm like really like up, I'll like efficiency you know I'll, I'll do all the documentation and then all of a sudden like I'll you know kind of step back and kind of not be performing as well and it's like whenever I'm kind of down or and and then it just it the bosses notice and it's like okay then they get all in your face about it right micromanage making you know making you feel like 
you're not doing a great job. And I'm like, I know I'm not doing a great job. And then I get like really frustrated. And I've had that happen a couple of times to where like, I'm just like, I'm out, you know, and like, I'll immediately start looking for a new job. And I actually like, that's how I got out of this last job is, you know, I, I was doing such a great job. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I got a new boss change and it like, sometimes that happens and it comes in and it rocks my world. And it's, it's, you know, they're not on the same page as me. And then I like shut down and then I can't do my job. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to find something else. And so I've done that a few times. And so like, I've been in a lot of software jobs, but all kind of the same thing, but with different names. Um, but I've kind of hopped around. And I just started this job that I'm in now, um, mid-December. So I'm hoping that I stick with it now since, you know, I'm kind of a little bit more level and I've got not talked to anybody at this job about it. Um, my last job I did, um, we were actually very close. It was a, it was a very small company. Um, they all knew about, you know, about the bipolar they knew about the weed like they knew about all of that um this new company is it's it's a it's a higher um enterprise company um it's very huge <laughs> i've never worked at anything other than a startup so it's a little bit different um i'm just learning who's who you know i really i'm really new so it is in healthcare though so I feel like it wouldn't be too bad of a thing to talk about. And I have gotten reached out at one point um, just to say, you know, if you have any type of situation where you need to take the day, take the day. And so I know that they're very open to, you know, mental health days and mental health times. So um, I don't think it would be that big of a deal if I did need to take some time, um, you know, if I was having having a thing. I could be like, you know, I had, you know, I'm bipolar. Um, I'm having, I'm having a day. <laughs> so I don't think, I feel like my boss would be very open to that. He seems very open to those types of things. And so I don't feel like I would have a problem. Um, back in the day though, I would not have, like, I feel like the last job till now are the two jobs that I would feel comfortable talking about that. today. Thank you so much to Amanda for sharing her story. Um, it's incredibly amazing that people are willing to share their stories and we are hoping that more people are willing to come on and share their stories. It's a little rough right now, beginning of a podcast, but we hope to create a community and you can find us at on TikTok at the Bible. Polar AF podcast or Instagram. You can also email if you'd like to participate. Um, a reminder that you don't have to give your name, you don't have to show your face or anything. It's completely voluntary. You can email Sabrina at Sabrina at the Bipolar AF Podcast.com. You can go to the Bipolar AF Podcast.com to check out more information. Otherwise, have another great week. Bye.